Hello and welcome to Opcast, Arms Around the Trinity Continuum. Our podcast does in-depth reviews of the books covering everything from first edition to the newest story path edition of the books published for the Trinity Continuum, including Aeon, Aberrant, Adventure, and more. I'm one of the hosts, Chaz. I'm Josh Heath. And I'm Scott Cuban. As always, we'd like to shout out another member of the D20 Radio Network. This week, our shout out goes to Don't Despair. Uh, This is a podcast that aims to bring frequent looks that dive deep into the high-level concepts for the Genesis RPG by Fantasy Flight Games. The hosts are veterans of the system and role-playing in general, and either run or help uh, the online Genesis community. Check out Don't Despair and all the other great shows of the D20 Radio Network at d20radio.com. Today, uh, we're diving into the deep mechanics of Aberrant, uh, looking at powers and abilities for Novas in your Trinity Continuum Aberrant games. Before we dive in, uh, one of the things that the Trinity Continuum books do is open each chapter with a quote, and I thought the one for the powers and abilities was was just spot on for Aberrant chapters. It's a quote from Ant-Man, which is, do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything? And that pretty well describes how powers work in Aberrant. <laughs> yep. There's a, they're, they're listed alphabetically. And when you get to the Q, it's just, it goes on for days. <laughs> Let's jump in. I know both of you have had a lot more experience uh, running or playing Aberrant than I have, since I haven't had a chance to get it to the table yet. From my outside perspective of reading how the powers and abilities work, I think they're really cool. Uh, but I'm kind of to give you the uh, the floor uh, to talk about how powers and abilities work and what makes them so awesome. This is very much mechanically chunky. There's a lot to this section and it, it, there's a lot of intermoving gears um, that, you know, as we mentioned last time, you can totally bypass, just use one of the pre-generated like power suite options in the back of the book. But if you want to get into like a super customized, super specific you know, version of your, your Nova, the Nova that you want to emulate, you know, based off, you know, what your favorite superhero, or if you have a specific idea, you can get as granular as you want to be to get exactly what you want out of your 150 experience that you have to spend on your starting Nova. A lot of it is based on a combination of, you know, very standard storyteller story path dot based get, uh, powers where you have a certain dot rating in something. Uh, and then they combine that with a system called tags, which, uh, as you may remember from previous things about the training continuum, a lot of the core system runs off of tags, uh, which tags are things that you can buy in order to change or enhance or worsen a particular thing that you're interacting with. And that system carries over into the, into the power system. That's the general overview of that. What I love is how customizable it is, and it allows you to really make a character completely your own, and you can do the same thing in multiple different ways. For example, my character for Atomic Youth initially had illusion powers that allowed him to do some sort of sound wave actions. We ended up changing it so it would be quantum attack with the illusion tag, 
so that I could create illusions using my quantum attack ability. Mechanically, it kind of boiled down to being the same thing, but from a use at the table standpoint, having it be quantum attack made it easier to figure out how much damage does this do when I use this as an attack power. Otherwise, I can just say, hey, I do illusions with this that out of game don't necessarily have a lot of mechanical impact until it causes some sort of story thing that you can apply much easier mechanically. So there's lots of different things with the system that allow you to be that sort of flexible with how you approach a particular design. Yeah. And one of the things uh, going up to the, the front of the chapter is, you know, you have your, your quantum, which is your sort of your core quantum rating, which is your power stat. And that gives you quantum points, which you use to spend on your various abilities. But then they move into a system called maxing out, which is a very important and very cool system in this game. So it is very, you're very stereotypical. I'm pushing my powers. I'm going beyond my normal limits to do something even that I normally do even harder or manifest an entirely new ability. You know, the same shit that happens in every single comic book ever written ever. This is a very cool system that it very, it can quickly adjudicate how much you get out of pushing yourself. And that system ties directly into character advancement. It, it's, very explicitly says that you cannot improve your powers or buy new powers unless you have maxed them out previously. So buying into the concept of, you know, this is a game about, you know, transcending and moving towards something beyond human. This system is like the, that this is the, the, the gear that does that because you have to max out in order to move forward and maxing out inherently comes with getting additional flux uh, which is what flows into transcendence, which is what pushes you beyond being a normal human. Not even in terms of abilities, but in things that separate you from humanity. So, so you have to embrace your your superpowers, embrace mm -hmm. what you are becoming in order to expand who you are and what you are as a Nova. I, I think it's really cool. I, I like the superhero stories where you are like pushing beyond your limits. Like I think that's a cool aspect of superpowers. Aberrant has the benefit of being able to bake that into the core system because that is the story for every Nova. I heard Steve Kenson, who is one of the designers for Aberrant, talk about how one of the benefits they have in Aberrant is that they can kind of say, hey, everybody's powers come from the same source. And that makes it easier to design systems that emphasize the story of those types of powers versus if you're doing it like a generic superhero comic, you have to account for aliens and magic and psychic powers and, and all kinds of different stuff. But since all Novas use quantum powers, we really get this kind of granular quantum system that points back at the narrative that it's trying to create. But what's nice about the customization element is you can say, I'm doing magic and still have that be a completely valid explanation for how you channel quantum energy. Quantum energy is the root explanation, but every character's understanding of how their powers manifest influences the way they actually play out in the game itself. Yeah, it's, it's quantum powered filtered through human psychology uh, the, and, a, and, a, and a human's personality. 
So, you know, if you have magic, then your quantum effects manifest as, you know, Dr. Strange sigils and, and circles and, and sparky things like that. But it all comes from quantum, uh, which is very cool in that the people in the world understand this to a degree, some more than others. So at some level, you can say, yeah, yeah, you have magic, but, you know, then I can open up my science textbook and we can actually talk about the brass tacks of what's actually happening, which can lead to interesting conversations of people who have bought into their own mythos. Right. Uh, a little bit too hard. I think that's a fun, a fun story gear that you can pull. They have various other subsystems like, uh, you know, burning out or, or overcharging, uh, which is other ways to tweak your powers. Um, uh, you can get more quantum out of burning out, but that hurts you. And overcharging is temporarily taking on transformations in order to keep going, pushing your powers. Uh, just little subsystems that allow you to have these cool comic book super moments of expressions of sort of the raw power that you're dealing with. Then we get into the powers proper. And, and I, when I say powers, I, I mean not just quantum powers, but all of the things that, that give your Nova uh, superhuman abilities. And that starts with mega attributes. Uh, this was something that was really cool and unique uh, in the first edition Aberrant, giving automatic successes instead of extra dice. It doesn't work that way in second edition. How do mega attributes work in the Trinity Continuum version of Aberrant? You have scale, which we talked about scale in one of our previous episodes. And scale for most mega attributes means that you are just working on a, a level higher than anyone else capable of, of humanly possible being at that level. You don't get scale with every mega attribute. This is one of those kind of things that I think is, or there's not necessarily a mega attribute for every regular attribute, but the mega attributes that you can get all generally allow you to have scale or some sort of other effects above the standard norm. There is a mega attribute for every each of the nine regular attributes. But to your point, not every one of them gives you scale directly to all roles relating to that attribute, which is which is what I think you were trying to. Express. That's where I was trying to go to. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, additionally, a lot of these mega attributes, in addition to providing scale in certain circumstances, because uh, all the scale is circumstantial. It's not it's usually not just flat. You have scale. I think the only one that gives you just flat scale is intellect. Um, and as for, for doing smarty boy stuff, most of them also give you edges in addition to um, like normal mundane edges, um, which can be really interesting if, you know, it just, it, it expresses the fact that you are more than normal and, you know, you get all this stuff for free. And it's cool that they do that because then they don't have to like come up with more different systems for dealing with it when they already have a system that says, you are especially good at this one thing. It's just a different way of getting that ability. Right. So for example, mega manipulation says that you get dots equal to its rating to distribute among the edges of animal can, skilled liar, striking, and, and wealth that represent you are supernaturally manipulative. Uh, and that's going to let you express it in these different ways um, that are already part of the system. Uh, next, we have mega edges, which are like normal edges. These are basically small mini abilities that you can tack onto your character. They are powered by quantum. They are powered by your connection to your, your quantum signature and the cosmic force. A lot of these, um, sort of in contrast with how they did things in first edition, um, a lot of these are so similar to what they would call enhancements in first edition, which were basically... It's, they're very similar mechanically, but they were like more intimately tied to the mega attributes. Uh, in first edition, 
you when as soon as you get one dot of a mega attribute, you automatically got an, a, dot, a dot of an enhancement for free in that in that category. But then you would have to buy them individually after that point. So these are connected to, but not as directly connected to the mega attributes as they were in first edition. Uh, some of them are just straight up little mini powers that aren't directly connected to any attribute. Again, I think this is really good because you talked about, and we'll get to this in a little bit more depth in a, in a few minutes, but how the quantum powers have a ton of customizability with, with tags and, and being able to build them out to customize them. But all of these edges are like little one-off superpower tricks, and they don't need the same level of customization that a full-on quantum, quantum power has, but they are more specific than the mega attributes. Um, and tying them to edges being just the things that your character has as special things for your character, I think works really well because it's kind of the same idea, but at the superheroic level. So I, I think all of them have prerequisites of a mega attribute. Way. Nearly all of them, not all of them, but most of them do. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking through that and, and, and immediately when I said all of them, I saw one that, that, that didn't fit that being a, a movement mode, which lets your Nova move through some supernatural means like clinging. So like Spider-Man's wall crawling ability, that would be an example movement mode. They have swinging as a movement mode as well. So Spider-Man's well represented there. Like you said, there are many powers. There are many powers that have very simple mechanics most often. Uh, they don't need a lot of elaborations. A lot of them are, you know, uh, just a single short paragraph that describes what they do. Some of them are a little bit more elaborate. I think the probably the most important one to bring to mention is the one called technique, uh, which that ties into quantum powers, which we're about to move into. Uh, and technique is a way of blending quantum powers into a single suite of abilities. Uh, it is a, it's a basically, it is something that you use to be very efficient when building your character. And the way it works is that you have a quantum power. You buy a dot of technique and that says that this quantum power now has an additional quantum power uh, bundled into it in that for every dot of that quantum power, you also have a, a, an equal rating in dots of this additional quantum power. As opposed to having to spend uh, XP for each additional power, you can get a lot of dots of, of many different powers in one rating with the surcharge of having to buy this technique uh, ability every time you want to add a power to the suite. The drawback to this is that those powers are considered to be one for anything that targets quantum powers and for the purposes of using them in a single action. So if you want to use your absorption power in addition to your flying power, if you ever have to roll your dice uh, for either of those, you have to split your action in order to do so because they are not two separate things that you're doing. They are a part of a single entity in your quantum signature. So you have to parcel out your successes amongst them when you're trying to use them together. So if, if the two powers are built into a technique, you have to split your action if you want to be doing both. There's no, yes. got it. Okay. Yeah. So you like it, if like some, like some of these powers don't really require you to make a role and those are very good to throw into a technique. Like if for just basic flying, unless you're doing like aerial maneuvers, you don't have to spend any successes on doing, I fly around. I go from point A to point B through the air. But if, like I said, you have absorption and flying, if you get hit in the air while you're trying to do a barrel roll, then you're going to have to split your successes amongst absorption and the aerial maneuver that you're doing. 
Okay. Uh, so, so it is a very, it's a cheap way of getting a bunch of powers, but there are drawbacks to it. And then also if someone hits you with disruption, both of those powers get affected. Right. The power suites using technique was one of the things that I, I, I kind of looked at and was like, okay, this is cool. I, I'm going to need to play with this to really see how it plays out. But it seems like it gives you a really flexible way of saying, oh, I have uh, fire. I can do all of these different things with fire or mm -hmm. elemental control is called out specifically as one yeah. that, that yeah. uses this subsystem. Yeah, some of the powers explicitly say that this you get benefit out of this ability by using the uh, the technique system, which is another cool efficiency in in rules design because they didn't come up with an entirely different way of representing a thing that's already represented in the core system. There's a lot of streamlining of this that uh, between this first edition and this edition, where things they're just like, you know what, we can make this easier by having an edge do X, Y, and Z or creating a subsystem that allows this to work in multiple different ways. So we don't have to repeat ourselves in multiple different places. Very, very helpful to have done. Yeah, first edition had a lot of powers that were that, that had a bunch of powers under them. Um, and this almost entirely eliminates that uh, by saying, you just combo your powers. You, here's, the, here's the system by which you combine your powers into one thing. It is elegant design. Yep. You can tell that folks like Steve Kenson and other designers from the superhero space have spent a lot of time designing mechanics for the superhero space because they've found out what works and what doesn't work and how to make it simpler and how to make it more focused. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, moving on to powers themselves, uh, they describe a lot of the they describe power suites in this and power themes. Um, and sort of the way that you build your powers around your character concept. Uh, you know, they talk about how, you know, you as a Nova have sort of a core theme to you, uh, your core understanding of how quantum works for you. And then we move into the power tag system, uh, which was, we mentioned, tags are very big deal in Trinity Continuum system. Uh, they, they, are, they are how you tweak things. They are how you build things on a sort of a micro level. And like techniques, these things, they, they cost the same as a dot, a normal dot of a quantum power would. They cost 12 XP per tag. And it's how you change expands the ability of an, of an individual quantum power to be better. Also, you can take negative tags, uh, which discount you 12 XP. So if you're, if you're thinking about how the system works, you're starting to see how you can really get into the nuts and bolts of saying, well, I want my power to do this specific thing, but I don't want to have to spend, you know, all of these points and tags to get all those things. Well, you moderate your cost by taking a negative, by giving yourself a limitation, which has the narrative benefit of having a limitation that your story guide can mess with you on, which is where, you know, boundaries and limits are the stuff of good story. So there are a lot of tags. There are a really a large amount of tags. There's about five pages worth. And then as we get into the quantum powers themselves, a lot of uh, quantum powers have special tags that you can buy for that power specifically. So the tag system is a big deal. And it, if you are wanting to get into the nitty gritty, if you are a very mechanically customizey, crunchy type of person, that is what you want to spend your time getting to know because that is how you build the exact thing you want. One of the other things from a narrative perspective that's kind of peppered throughout the chapter are that sidebar is called the Medusa Protocols. 
which are the idea that Project Utopia has plans for how they would take down any Nova. Uh, and so the Medusa protocols look at different quantum powers or Nova abilities and say, this is how Project Utopia would, would take out this Nova. This is what they would do to, to, to bring them low if they needed. Um, and so that's kind of a really interesting way of, of looking at this. So one, if you need to challenge your Novas, you can kind of bring these Medusa protoc uh, protocols to bear. Or um, if you are going after the, the big villain, um, you can deliver some of these Medusa protocol ideas to your player characters. Uh, something to note, uh, and this is a big change from first edition, is that some things that you might think are sort of superhero tropes and classics are not in these powers, specifically the ability to read minds and tell the future. They have made the decision to basically say that those abilities are linked to the sub-quantum universe and are the purview of psi powers. And as uh, we know, are, Novas cannot uh, get beyond the sub-quantum barrier. They cannot get beyond the sub-quantum barrier because thoughts and the perception of uh, the true perception of time are the purview of psi. Uh, and not a lot of people know that in current Aberrant, uh, but it is a limit on what Novas can do. They cannot do certain things. Now, some of their abilities allow them to emulate that, like by being super smart and being able to predict things, but prediction is not the same as knowing. And reading someone with your super uh, social mind is not the same as literally knowing exactly what they're thinking or manipulating exactly what they're thinking. So that is an interesting limit on what Novas can do. And I really like that because it's very thematic, but it means that if you want to play Jean Grey or Professor X, then you have to play a Syad who is in this era mistaken for a Nova. I know in the Aeon expansion, they talk about having Scions in other eras. And I wonder if there, if you could, could uh, potentially bump up to that level as well with certain storylines where you do have a full-on scion at the table with Novas. I think, I think there's some cool potential there. Yeah, it could be a possibility. I mean, there's, there's definitely some room for, you know, if you really want to go off the, off the beaten path of canon of saying, you know, and, you know, having some cooperation between a Nova scientist and a Syad to really figure out, okay, we can tell that you're different. Let's see why and how you're different and how we can maybe bring you up to our level. So any other thoughts about uh, powers, power tags, power suites, and, and all of this quantum goodness? I, I really like this system. I don't think we're going to go too big on individual powers because there's a lot of them. Uh, but suffice to say, as long as it's not telepathy or telling the future, you can do damn near anything with this system. To that, have either of you run into character building either for yourself or others and they say, I want to play this kind of a hero and you have not been able to find a, a way to portray that using the power system? I haven't run into it. I think that it might take a little bit of creativity. It might take some reskinning of certain things. Um, like I had a, a character in Atomic Youth really wanted to play a character like Domino who has supernatural luck. And that is another thing that this system doesn't represent because talents are the are where you get that ability. But they do have one ability, a one mega edge that allows Novas to access dramatic editing. It's called Foresight. And it is that literal, I'm so smart, I can predict the future, but not see it. Uh, and therefore I can access dramatic editing as a representation of that. 
Uh, we reskinned that such that it was based off of her super, her, her mega charisma and that the universe just liked her. Like she, okay. like the universe was literally in love with her and thus she is able to tweak, tweak the circumstances of the universe based on that. So no, but because this system is, in, is inherently flexible and reskinnable. Got yeah. it. I think the thing is you can come at things from too many angles sometimes because mm-hmm. it's so flexible that again, like my character, you could create an illusionist that comes at things from an illusion powers, or you can come at it from quantum attack, or you can come at it from multiple other elemental mastery or any other different ways of getting to the same idea and building it. Um, and it's just how you describe your character determines which powers make the most sense for you. Moving on within the realm of cool things that make your Novas awesome. Let's talk about technology and the kind of really neat uh, streamlined system for technology and quantum technology. How, how does that work inside Aberrant? Well, it's very tied to the crafting system that you find in Trinity Continuum Core. Uh, it is an enhancement of that system. So you are, you know, rolling dice to get tags to points that you spend on tags uh, is sort of the core of it. Uh, but they make a lot of distinctions on the type of technology. They have core technology, which is the type of technology that is common in your era, which is to say that core tech as a term is very flexible. It can change depend on the area that you're in. Like core tech in Adventure Day is nowhere near what core tech in Aberrant is, which is nowhere near what core tech in Aeon is. Because through the actions of innovative, smart, and perhaps super powerful people, the technological floor of any given era is going to rise. And Aberrant makes it specific that part of the nature of Aberrant, if you want to play a crafter character, is that you can raise the floor of what core tech is in your era, in your time. You can say, I am so smart. I am so innovative. The, the All boats rise around me because I am literally increasing the level of technology of this civilization by being who I am. And chapter seven gives examples of core tech that, that we even talked about in the setting chapter of how something like U-Fiber or Hyperfusion were invented originally by Novas, but then have become so pervasive that they're just part of the core technology of the Nova age. This is very much the emulation of Tony Stark. This is Iron Man. This is the super crafter. It moves on from there to describe two more, two more advanced type of technology. Uh, one of which is called Novatech, which Novatech is Nova technology that requires Novas to create. Um, baselines can use Novatech, but they cannot replicate it themselves. It requires the active hand of a Nova crafter to produce them either directly or indirectly because it requires them to create, say, exotic materials from their powers that cannot be harvested from Earth. And then it goes on to talk about Qtech which Q-Tech is this most powerful in that it requires a Nova to use it. It requires a Nova to channel their personal quantum energy into the device in order to power it. So there's a lot of really interesting distinctions in types of technology, and that comes into play a lot when you're playing a crafter and playing a a scientist, someone who builds things as part of their powers. You you mentioned Tony Stark earlier. So mm-hmm. if, if I wanted to play a uh, Nova with an Iron Man suit, how would I use this system to accomplish that? 
So there's uh, multiple different ways of kind of going about this, where you can design these using powers effectively um, to replicate the, the tech that you are creating, um, or you can create tech to do the thing that you want it to do. It kind of depends on which direction you want to take the design from. You've got lots of different crafting rules in here based on what's called mega crafting, uh, which allows you to produce Nova and quantum tech. And then you're using tags and a, a system of dots to determine what sorts of things you can do with the things that you are creating. Um, it is a very, again, well-developed system. Uh, it's hard to describe quickly though. So there's lots of little levers and pulleys that you can twist and change to really get the right angles for. Right. And, and with QTech devices, uh, you're really building powers into the devices. Uh, and one of the things it talks about here is, is having modules so that you could have a device that you can switch powers out of. I think if I were going to build the Iron Man type character, that's what I'd look at doing of saying, I, I probably have a QTech device that is my suit. And then I have a, a series of modules that I can swap in and out for whatever mission I'm going on. And that would be a lot of fun for me yeah. anyway. <laughs> it would be fun. And I, I did a character in first edition Aberrant called the Iron Mason, who was a Freemason that happened to be Iron Man, basically, is what he was. Nice. Um, and I've been contemplating recreating that character just to see how the system works to build them. Um, and it would allow you to do a, a lot more flexibility, actually, than what I did in that original version of that character, who is very much the, his quantum powers happen to be technology based. In this version, when you're getting into things like attunement, which is the ability to kind of invest yourself uh, into a specific type of quantum tech, you can do that a little bit more flexibly where you're tuning different things to you at different times to get a suite of powers or an expanded uh, different range of powers that you can utilize. So I think there's a lot of cool things you could do there. Yeah, the the, the quantum technology and the crafter uh, build uh, of being a superhero is a lot better in this edition than it was in first edition. Uh, they made a conscious decision of saying that Iron Man type characters are not uh, fully compatible with first edition Aberrant um, in so much that there was a much maligned sidebar <laughs> in the player's guide uh, that says this is not explicitly what we're doing here. Uh, and I'm glad that they, uh, they, they turned that around and made and brought that style in. Another way of answering your questions about Iron Man is, and it goes back to the, to the topic of core tech. Uh, if you want to be Iron Man, you can raise the core level of technology to up, up to Aeon and then get a bark. Ooh, okay. Uh, because in Aeon, powered suits of, you know, of, of powered armor are a thing that scions and people who are, you know, uh, in that level of protecting humanity have access to, and they're made in factories. Right. So like, if, if we think about the MCU incarnation of Iron Man at the beginning, like he is building one suit and that is the only one that exists. But as the technology gets out there, he can build it more easily. He can give it to other people to use. That would be the example of going from QTech to Novatech. And then later when he's building something like the, the uh, Iron Shield system that ultimately gets corrupted to Ultron, but is really factory assembly line for robot armor suits. That's when it's becoming core tech because anyone can build it, assuming they know how. 
yeah, assuming they have the plans and they have the, you know, the resources to do so, it is something that anyone can do because it has become a proven, repeatable, efficient science of doing so. And so like, I think that's a really good example of how, well, the paradigm of technology in the Trinity continuum of it is what is what is the baseline of, of what technology is changes over time and generally improves as you go through the eras because that's how technology works you know people who build things stand on the shoulders of giants to build new and better things and then people stand on their shoulders to build new and better things than what they made uh, and i think it's a very cool representation of that very real progression of technology for sure any other thoughts about the powers of Nova's, how, it, how it's implemented in the system, anything that we've talked about? Obviously, this is one of my favorite uh, games, period. But in terms of superheroes, I think this is probably one of the most refined and still very usable super system to date. There are other games, modern games that go in a completely different directions like masks, yeah. uh, which, which does not get granular. It gets very, it gets very, uh, you know, sort of paint by numbers and you build a theme and then you can just do what you want as long as it fits that theme, uh, which is, I think a completely valid way of doing it, but it is sort of the, it is at the polar end of how they do things in Aberrant, which is you get very specific, very mechanical, and you build things bit by bit using the, this very elegant and powerful system. And I think that as that system has improved, it, it becomes more and more viable. You either have to do that, you have to have a really, really, really good system, or almost no system at all to, to, to emulate this genre. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that because Masks is is the other superhero game that I really love. Masks, like you said, lets you, uh, once you have your theme, just do anything with your powers within that theme. Uh, and because it's a PBTA game, the specifics don't matter. It's the narrative outcome that matters based on your role. And this is, like you said, is the opposite extreme where it's it's modularly built power systems. I, I think the place where this does does has that special like chef's kiss that that makes it work is in the comics. Uh, we often see characters do something that they've never done before, something that is a brand new on the spot power, and maybe they'll never do it again. And maxing out using those quantum powers to kind of boost your abilities in the moment is the mechanical technology that we have to do that in Aberrant. So that that gives it the ability to have that freeformness of comics without locking you into only the stuff you have purchased, but you're needing to push yourself to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of narrative effectiveness built into the system. It allows you to emulate the genre really well by doing that. But again, as you both have said, there are two different ways to emulate the genre, either in a rules light way or a rules heavy way. And this is definitely on the more rules heavy sort of way of getting to the emulation of the genre. I guess to that rules heaviness, um, in terms of people you have played with, have you played Aberrant with anyone who, who is not a mechanics head? doesn't like kind of diving in and, and fiddling with the guts of things because even I could see even with the the templates if you don't want to have to build it how does bringing the powers to the table if someone else has done that kind of construction work for you how has that played out in your experience uh, we have several people in atomic youth who are not as, as sort of mechanically intense as some of the other players um, and I had the the benefit of having a, a co-storyteller uh, who was very very mechanically adept uh, who did a great job of helping people build their characters and then basically constructing cheat sheets 
of the bare bones information of here's how my stuff works. Um, because that's, a, that's another great thing about a modular system. You don't need to know how the whole system works if you know how your specific stuff does. Now, you can probably get more out of it the more you know about it, as the more you learn sort of mechanical tricks, specifically with maxing out and manifesting new abilities. But uh, I think that it behooves people to build out their character uh, fully, I think, because it allows them to get a very unique, you know, and more powerful character than they might, but just by going through a generic one. But it also is vital for them to understand exactly how their stuff works. So uh, cheat sheets are wonderful in systems like this, and I highly recommend them. Yeah, it's good to have someone that does like the mechanics to work alongside people that are less interested in understanding them deeply. My spouse is building an aberrant character at the moment for a one-to-one game that we are uh, running, and she wants to create Constantine. Nice. We have built everything up until the quantum powers now, and now we just need to find some time to build the quantum side of things out. And that's going to be a lot of, well, what do you want to do? Okay, let's find the thing in the book that allows you to do something that's similar to that and then reskin it and build it so that it will do the thing that you want it to do. You mentioned reskinning, and I almost don't think it is reskinning because I, I think they give you the powers without the skin. Right. Um, like it, it's here's the mechanics, add your own skin in, in almost every case for, for the powers. And I think that's kind of freeing to be able to figure out the mechanical expression and put the, the coat of paint on it, if you will, uh, for your own character. Absolutely. I think it's very good. It's a very good system for, for doing basically whatever you want. And it takes a little bit of time if you want to learn it yourself or if you have someone who is very mechanically inclined helping you along. I think that it's, it's well worth doing so. Okay. So we have reached the end of our episode. If folks want to find you, Scott, where should they look? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Simulacra RPGs, and they can also find my actual play studio, Simulacra Studios, uh, at Simulacra TV on both YouTube and Twitch. And how about you, Josh? People can find me at Werewolf Podcast on Twitter if you're interested in hearing more about Werewolf the Podcast, where I pontificate about Werewolf the Apocalypse. So people are welcome to join me there if you like hearing me talk about things. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, where I share my thoughts as I read game stuff, uh, and will also tweet any of the projects I'm involved in, including the Fall of Jara actual play, which has wrapped up, though we have a few epilogue scenes left to go, and the fairly new Pain in the Dice podcast, uh, where I talk with, mainly with uh, Terry Robinson, host of Mage the Podcast, among other projects, uh, about games in general. Uh, with our tagline being, because games are hard, but also fun. And with that, keep your arms around the Trinity Continuum.